And that's the very first book in the Bible, so it's pretty easy to find. And if you don't have your Bible with you today, uh, we're going to put all of the verses that we're reading up on the screens so that you can follow along with us. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, uh, then I uh, uh, encourage you to uh, let some of us know. We have lots of Bibles around here, and they are free. And we would love to give one to you if you don't have a Bible. So just let us know. But, but what we've been doing, uh, ba- basically uh, to catch up our, our uh, younger ones that haven't been with us, is we've been talking about how as Christians, how as people who call themselves followers of Jesus, that accepted Christ into their life, what we've been talking about is that because of that, we're blessed And God has blessed us so that we would be a blessing to others. And so what we've been doing is studying the life of Abraham. And y'all probably learned some about Abraham and children's church and Sunday school. But we've been talking about Abraham in here and and, uh, how God had blessed Abraham and told him that he was going to bless him so that he would be a blessing to all all the other nations, all the rest of the world, everybody else in the entire world. And it's been a great example as we've looked at the life of Abraham as Christians and as the church uh, to see just how it is that we've been blessed to be a blessing. So we're going to continue talking about that today. Uh, And so what I've been doing is I've been asking your parents a really hard question and your grandparents. I've been asking them the same question every week. And so I'm going to ask all of you today uh, that are here, where has God blessed you? All right, where is it that God has blessed you? What blessings do you have in your life? The good things that you have in your life, in your family, uh, you know, what are those blessings? Where is it that God has blessed you? Because His Word tells us that all good things come from above, which means all good things in our lives, in our families, all good things come from God. So I've been, been asking every week, What are those good things in your life? What are those blessings that you have in in your life? And what does, more importantly, does God intend for you to do with those things, with those blessings that He's given you? Because what we've been learning is God gives us these blessings so that they will be multiplied and they can be a blessing to other people. Just like with Abraham, the same promise that was made to Abraham, is we're an extension of that promise today, that we have been blessed to be a blessing. And so this is a personal question that we all must ask ourselves, regardless of how old we are, whether you're in first grade or whether you're eating lunch at the Senior Citizen Center every day, right? It doesn't matter how old we are. It's a question that we all must ask. How has God blessed our lives and what does He want us to do with those blessings so that other people might know Him? So that other people might learn about Him and also be saved and become a follower of Jesus Christ. And so this morning we're going to look at another story from the life of Abraham uh, in the Bible. It's a story about these three mysterious men Uh, that come to visit Abraham. They basically have two reasons for their visit. One is that, it's pretty pretty funny, uh, is that they have come to announce to Sarah and Abraham that she's pregnant and she's going to have a baby. 
All right. Last week we kind of talked about, you know, uh, after Isaac was born, this baby that, that's being announced here. I know I'm kind of jumping around and going back and forth. But uh, uh, the reason this is so funny is because Abraham and Sarah are like 100 years old. Right, and, and they they've always wanted a child. They've always wanted to be parents, but you know now at a hundred years old, kind of looks like that gig is up, right? And, and so you know one of the reasons that these three mysterious men come to them is to announce to Sarah and Abraham that she's pregnant. And not only do we think it's funny, if you read the whole story, and we're not going to look at that piece of it this morning, but if you read the whole story, you'll see that when they say this, Sarah actually laughs, right? And, and one, of, one of the men says, you know, why are you laughing? And she goes, oh, I wasn't laughing, you know? And, and so read the story, it's awesome. But, but anyway, there was, uh, you know, that was the, the first reason why they came to Abraham and, and Sarah. The second reason that they came was for a, a not good reason, and it was they had come to destroy these two very wicked cities that were called Sodom and Gomorrah. And there was a lot of really bad and really evil things that were happening in these cities uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah, and God was very unhappy about it. And so we're going to pick up the story after they've announced to Sarah and Abraham uh, their pregnancy. Uh, and so now we're going to pick up the part of the story that's not so great uh, news. Actually, it's really bad news. And we're going to pick it up starting in verse 16 this morning in chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, chapter 18, starting in verse 16. I'm going to read this morning from the NLT version uh, of the Bible today because I believe it's a little easier to understand and uh, uh, since we have some younger folks in here, I think it'll be easier for them to grasp what uh, we're talking about. So God's Word says this in verse 16. Then the men got up from their meal, these three mysterious men all right, that we were talking about, got up from their meal, and they looked out toward Sodom. As they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord asked? Now, real quick about these three mysterious men that, that we're talking about and looking at. Uh, you know, who are they? Probably ask the question, who are these three mysterious people? Well, we can tell by the way that this one talks and that he is called the Lord, right? And it's in all caps in our scripture. Well, we know that to be God, all right? So God's one of the three. And then scholars tell us that the other two uh, we can assume are angels that are there with God. And so the one that is God says this in verse 18. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all of the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. All right, don't miss this. Abraham, blessed to be a blessing. All right? And, and, and the Lord goes on to say, I have singled him out. I have chosen him, and I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. And so then they tell Abraham, you know, what, what they're going to do. And, and then in verse number 22, the other men, the, the two angels, turned and headed towards Sodom. But the Lord remained there uh, with Abraham. And I just want to stop here a minute uh, because we learned this about Abraham a few weeks ago. And, and uh, just kind of recap for our younger ones that weren't here. Abraham had a nephew by the name of Lot. Okay, and so Lot and his family 
actually lived in this very wicked city uh, of Sodom. And so Abraham, you know, as you're reading through this story, you're probably sitting there thinking, so Abraham knows, all right, these men are saying they've come to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham knows that Lot, his nephew, and his family are in one of these wicked cities. And, and so, you know, Abraham's probably thinking, you know, I don't want these cities to be destroyed uh, because I've got family there. And so let's pick it up in verse 23. Abraham approached him, approached the Lord, and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Let's suppose that you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing. Destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why, you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for the sake of those 50 good people, 50 righteous people that I find. But Abraham's not done negotiating here, okay? He goes on, look at verse 27. Then Abraham spoke again. Well, since I've begun, let me speak further, my Lord. Suppose there are only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you still destroy the whole city for just a lack of five? In other words, well, what if there were only 45 righteous people in the entire city instead of 50? Surely that five. You know, it's just five. Surely that five wouldn't make a difference whether, you know, between whether you destroyed them or not. And so Abraham's negotiating with God, and it seems like God's willing to play along, right? And I won't read it all to you, but basically the story goes on that God did agree to the 45 that Abraham had proposed. You know, if there are 45 good people in the city, God says, okay, I won't destroy it. And so Abraham's feeling kind of bold. You know, he's feeling like an awesome negotiator now. And he says, well, you know, what about 40? And so God says, well, okay, if you can find me 40, 40 righteous people in that city, then, you know, I'll spare them. Abraham goes on to say, well, if you give me 40, how about 30? Give me 30, give me 30. All right, so I'm kidding. But he does. He says, what about 30? And God says, you know, okay, if there's 30 people, 30 righteous people, then I won't destroy the entire people. Abraham's not done. He says, well, how about 20? And God says, okay, if there's 20, I'll spare them. And now I want to look at verse 32. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me. I know I'm pushing the envelope here. But if I would speak one more time. Suppose only ten are found there. And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So Abraham's got him down to ten now. And then verse 33 says this, When the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. End of chapter. So what happened? Why, why did Abraham... Stop at 10. You know, why, why doesn't he haggle God down to one? You know, just one righteous person. 
and, and evidently, you know, it's because Abraham realized that there's not even one righteous person in the city of Sodom righteous enough to spare the whole rest of that wicked city, right? It, even in Abraham's mind now, he's, he's probably beginning to think, you know, God's not going to spare all of this wicked city for just a couple. For, for just one or two. So he stops the negotiation right here. And if you read the rest of the story, Sodom is destroyed. Uh, but as a favor to Abraham, God does go to his nephew Lot and warns him and gives Lot and his family uh, time to get out of the city and escape the destruction. Um, and, and that's a whole other story in itself. But actually, uh, Lot and his two daughters do get out. And so, but this morning there's an important question. And always uh, when, I'm, when I'm talking to adults or kids, when I was a youth pastor uh, for all those years, I always like, well, what, is, what is in this story for me? All right, what is it God? Why does God have this story in the Bible? Because it's in there for a purpose. And how does God want to use this story to speak to me when I go to school tomorrow, how's this going to help me when I go home today or when I go to school or wherever it may be? How does this apply to me? And so I think it's, it's, uh, there's an important question here today that we need to look at as we relate this story to our personal lives, and it's this. Why is Abraham trying to save the whole city? Why is it that Abraham is trying to save everyone that is in this wicked city. And it's pretty easy. I mean, we mentioned earlier, it's pretty easy to look at this story and think, well, he's trying to save the city because his, his nephew Lot and their family live there and he doesn't want them to be destroyed or harmed. But I'm just thinking rationally and going, if that was the case, couldn't God have just, I mean, couldn't Abraham have just asked God for that specifically? I mean, wouldn't it have been easier than going through all this negotiation for Lot to just have said in the beginning, Hey, God, you know, I know that you've blessed me and that you and I, we're, we're good. And, and so, you know, you know he, he could have said, I know you need to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'm pretty sure that they deserve it because there's a lot of really bad stuff that's going on down there and evil stuff that's happening, but... You know, since Lot is my nephew, could you just spare Lot and his family and give them time to get out of there first? And then you can do whatever you need to do with the rest of them because honestly, God, we both know they deserve whatever's coming to them. You know, don't you think that that would have been easier for Abraham to ask God for? You know, just spare my family instead of going through all this process of trying to negotiate this. And it would have made sense. Because if you remember from a few weeks ago, some of these really bad people in Sodom had actually captured Lot, the nephew. They, they had actually captured him. And so Abraham had to devise a plan. And he actually went to war with the kings of Sodom. And, you know, they're at war with each other, and, and God gives Abraham a miraculous victory, and Lot gets freed and all that. Don't miss this. Abraham has been at war with this city, and now he's pleading on their behalf for God to save them and not destroy them. And Abraham knows here. I mean, you can sense it in reading the story. Abraham knows he's kind of pushing his limits with God. 
you know, and that this might not end well and that he's probably taking a chance because you probably noticed here that each time he's, he's kind of, you know, like, okay, God, now, now don't be mad. Now, you know, since I said that, let me, let me go ahead and say this. And, you know, what about 30? What about 20? Don't be mad at me, God. But, you know, what about 10? And, and so Abraham, he, he even has this sense that he's putting even him own, his own self at risk for this whole city, right? And, and, and this would kind of been like, you know, I was trying to think what this might be like that we could relate to today. This would have kind of been like the families of the 9-11 victims, you know, going to God and pleading to God to withhold judgment from the Al-Qaeda people that carried it out. I mean, that's what it would have kind of been like. And, and so why, why is it that Abraham is doing this? Why is Abraham going to bat for this entire evil city after all they've done to him and his family and, and all the evil that's there? Well, it's this, and, and don't miss this. It's because Abraham understood God had made a promise to him. Abraham, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to everyone. All right? I, I'm blessing you so that you will be a blessing to every nation. And what is Sodom? Well, it's a part of this blessing that God has promised Abraham, right? You know, Abraham understood that he had been blessed to be a blessing, not just to his own family. You see, it wasn't about just him pleading and praying and begging that his family would not be destructed. Abraham understood it's so much more than just my family. It's everyone. Everyone must be saved. Everyone needs to be saved and be extended mercy and grace and forgiveness in their lives. Abraham got it. He, he understood. Uh, remember in verse 18 and verse 19 we saw earlier, For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. God says, I have singled him out, I have chosen him, and I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Don't miss this because this is so important. In other words, God told Abraham that he was blessed to be a blessing so that he would want all men to be blessed and not destroyed. Do you see that? God's blessed us to be a blessing to everyone. And so Abraham, you know, he understands that, that, that that's what God had, had placed on him. This call to make other nations great. Well, how would other nations be great? Only in and through a relationship with God. Right? It's the only way that we have any greatness in our lives at all. And so Abraham, you know, God told Abraham he was blessed to be a blessing so that he would want all men, all women, all children, every color, every nation, every category that you could think of, that they would be saved and not destroyed. But I want you to think about it. These people in Sodom were really bad people. All right, They probably didn't vote like Abraham voted. 
They were, they, they were evil. They had even gone to war with Abraham. They didn't deserve this. Put yourself in Abraham's shoes. Of all the people in the entire world, Sodom does not deserve grace. He's been at war with them or to be extended any mercy uh, at all. But Abraham also understood this, that he wasn't perfect either. Right? Abraham understood that he wasn't perfect. You know, some of us aren't. All right? I know the majority of the perfect people come to the 1030 service, but that 830 service this morning, they were all like, yeah, we know. We're bad. (laughs) You know, we've not been good. None of us are perfect. Abraham realized that, but yet God had extended him grace. Abraham knew that he wasn't anybody special, but God had blessed him so that he could be a blessing to others. And so here's the deal, folks. This will only make sense to you. This only makes sense when you understand that grace that we were singing about earlier. This will only make sense to you when you fully understand that you have been a recipient of grace. And I don't know about you, but on most days I don't deserve it. Right? But when we fully understand that we have been extended grace... Who are we to deserve His grace? Who are we to think that we are worthy of being saved and those bad people over there are not? Who are we to think that? Who are we to look around at us and to pick and choose who we think ought to be saved and who shouldn't be saved? Who we want to witness to and who we're going to avoid because they're so rotten, so evil? Who are we to deserve His grace? Who are we to think that we're worthy of salvation and others are not? But for some reason, we want to pick and choose. For some reason, we do. And and think about it. The Democrats think the Republicans don't deserve it. Right? And there's a lot of Republicans in here right now that think the Democrats don't deserve it. Hello. Hello. It's kind of funny, but it's not. Who deserves grace and who doesn't deserve grace? Who deserves to be destroyed and doesn't deserve to be destroyed? Who deserves salvation and who doesn't? Ooh. The wealthy at times think that the unemployed don't deserve blessings. Or the homeless don't deserve to be blessed. Some of us in school, not us, I'm not in school, obviously, it's been a minute. But some of you that are in school, you got some bullies in your school, I know. Because I had some bullies in my school. And sometimes we look at those bullies in school and we think, you know what, they deserve whatever comes to them. <laughs> Someone needs to just line, destroy them right now and the world will be a better place. And we have a tendency to look at people that way. But is that how God would have us look at people? Is that how he intended for us to look at everyone, all the nations, everyone that we come in in contact with in our lives? You know, we, we often think there are certain people who don't deserve it when in all reality, we didn't deserve it. And so when we understand that, we'll understand everyone does, should have an opportunity. It should be extended to everyone. Because grace is not 
issued, grace is not extended to folks by how they vote. All right? It's not extended to folks based on how much money they make or how much they give to the church. Grace is not extended based on how you smell, what color of your skin is, or what you call yourself. All right? God's grace is to be extended to all. And we have been blessed with this grace to be an extension of those blessings. To be an extension of that grace. So can we stop looking at people as red and blue and R and D and black and white and poor and homeless and just look at everybody like a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere? And so Abraham gets it. He understands that he has been blessed and God has told him, I'm blessing you that so you will be a blessing to others. And don't miss this. We are an extension of that blessings, which means we have been blessed to do the same thing. To be an extension of those blessings to others. To be an extension of that grace. An extension of that love. An extension of God's mercy. And an extension of God's forgiveness. Abraham understands that he's been blessed. God told him he's been blessed to be a blessing to all nations and that's exactly what Abraham is trying to do here and don't miss this each and every one of us has been placed into a community to be a blessing God has predetermined where every single one of us are right now at this point in our life alright God placed you in your family and you, if, you're, if you're like me, sometimes you probably step back and go, God, why, why this family? You know, why couldn't, I had a nor- why couldn't I have a normal family? I got news for you. There are no, no normal families. A lot of these people here look good, smell good, look like they all got it together. Their families are jacked up or as worse as yours, okay? So just relax. Because for whatever reason, God brought all the crazy people to the Nazarene church. You know, the ones with all the crazy families and all that. If you want normal, you probably should go somewhere else. Uh, But every single one of us has been placed in our family to be a blessing to our family. God's placed you in your job to be a blessing. God's placed you in that school to be a blessing. You know, God's placed you in this church to be a blessing. I, I want you to think about this. You have been placed in your family to pray and plead on their behalf that they will not be destroyed. You have been placed in that family to pray and to sacrifice on their behalf. Right? You've been placed in that job to pray and plead with God not to destroy those people that you work with. Right? To... to to sacrifice and, and pray on their behalf. That's the reason God has placed you in that workplace, in that environment. You've been placed in that school and that classroom to pray and to sacrifice on the behalf of those other students that are in there that don't know Christ as their Savior. 
right? To, to take these blessings, to take the grace that we have received and has been extended to us, to take that grace and be an extension to that, to everyone that God brings us in contact with each and every day of our lives. And, and I don't care how old you are this morning. I, I, it doesn't matter if you're in the first grade. You know, and it doesn't matter if you're, you're 90 years old today. This was God's intention for putting you where you are right now. I've said it a thousand times. You were created on purpose for a purpose each and every day. He puts us in situations and puts us in places to be a blessing to other people. You know, some of you... Uh, your neighbor moved into the neighborhood thinking that they were just getting maybe closer to a, a, a job that they were working or, you know, they, they, they came to a new neighborhood because they thought it would improve their status, but they didn't know you were going to be their neighbor, and so they blew that. But maybe God brought them into your neighborhood so that they might know him. Maybe crazy cat lady neighbor deserves God's grace as well. Maybe the, the grouchy old man that's yelling at the kids, get off my lawn, maybe he's in a grouchy old man because he's never experienced a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. i tell you a story. One of the men that I was most afraid of was a man that used to live beside us when we lived in the ghetto. And he was grouchy, and he was mean, and you would hear, you know, our houses were about from here to that microphone apart where we lived, and you could hear him and his wife yelling and screaming and fighting, and he never had a kind word to say to anybody in the neighborhood or especially to any little kid that was running around there. And we were scared of him, and we were terrified of him. But something about him changed. And come to find out, God had got a hold of his life, and he had accepted Christ as his Savior. And you actually, at times, might catch just a glimpse of a smile on his face. See, God can change folks, even the folks that we're afraid of. The folks that we've written off, the folks that we think are too bad or too wrong in their way of thinking to ever receive grace or, or to know Christ. But maybe God brought those people to your neighborhood or He brought you to that neighborhood so that they might receive a blessing from you. Do, do you see your neighbors that way as an opportunity to extend them blessings and to extend them grace and to show them Jesus? Are you praying for them as you walk around the neighborhood that they would receive the same grace that you've experienced and you've received and the salvation that you have in your life? How about the new kid at school? There's always a new kid at school. And there's one thing that I know about new kids at school. They had no choice in deciding that that was the school they were going to be going to. Most of them are scared. Most of them are nervous. And honestly, they don't want to be there because none of their friends are there. 
and they've, had, they've been uprooted and moved to a new school. Maybe, just maybe, God brought them to your school so that they would come to know Jesus. Because they may not be hearing about Jesus at their house. Their mom and dad may not be taking them to church on Sundays like your mom and dad does you. And so maybe God brought that new kid to your school so that they would hear about Jesus from you or one of your Christian friends. So that you could be a blessing to them and they would learn about Jesus. Have you ever thought about your schoolmates that way? As you walk the halls and you sit down in the classrooms? That maybe God put you where you are to be an extension of His blessings and an extension of His grace? Parents, what about the people that you work with? I've worked with some doozies. Still do. <laughs> but what if next time you sit down at your desk, you look at the person beside you and thought, of all the people that I could be sitting by, God had me sit next to you. Wonder why. Maybe it's because they need to know about Jesus. Maybe it's because they just need someone to show them the love of Christ and encourage them and to help them through something they're going through that you have no idea that they are going through. And you look at them and think, you know what, God must be seeking you because he put you by me. <laughs> Since he predetermined beforehand that we would find ourselves together in this work environment. Hey, God placed you in that family again, in that job, in that school, in that neighborhood, to pray and to plead on their behalf that they would not be destroyed. I believe as Abraham was going through these negotiations with God, I believe there was a great burden on his heart for the city of Sodom. He saw them as souls, and he didn't see them as bad people. And God placed him there at that time to be a blessing, to do whatever he could. And he did the best that he could. And I just would stand here before you this morning and tell you, Greenbrier Nazarene, this is why God has placed us in this community. This is the very reason that we are here at 64 North Broadview in Greenbrier, Arkansas. Right? It is our divine destiny. He put us here to be a blessing to Greenbrier and this surrounding community. That's why we're here. Right? It's not here so that we can play church and look good. It's so that we can make a difference in this place right now at this time. Our placement here is just proof that God wants this community to know about Jesus. It's just proof that God wants to extend mercy to the people around us in this community. And so, and you may argue with me about this, but I'm right. We owe them this. We owe them this. We owe them our first. We owe them our best. We owe them uh, uh, the sacrifice that, that they might be saved. 
We owe them that. It's not that they deserve it, right? It's not that they deserve it or that we've been obligated to them personally any more than than Sodom deserved Abraham's grace. But here's the deal. We owe it to Jesus. We owe it to Jesus. And Abraham knew that for, you know, no reason at all that God had chosen him to be blessed, to be a blessing. And Abraham wasn't any more worthy than anyone else. Right? He wasn't because of his skin color or, or any of those things. He wasn't, as, he, he wasn't more worthy than other people. He didn't have more potential. It was just strictly God's grace at work in his life. And that meant that he owed something to the people who had not heard yet. He owed something to the people who had not come into a relationship with God yet who were no more unworthy than he was before this all began. And folks, that's how we are. That's how we are. There's no special reason about us why God saved us. There's no special reason about us why he placed us here in this community. He did it from pure grace. You were placed in the family. You were placed in the job. You were placed in the school that you were placed in out of pure grace. Because here's the deal. We were Sodom in the story. You and I were Sodom in the story. And Jesus interceded for us so that we would not be destroyed. He asked God not to just spare the wicked because of the presence of righteousness. Right? But he, because who he was, he was righteous. Jesus was the righteous one who voluntarily died in place for us who were the wicked ones. We were Sodom. There was not one found among us righteous enough. But there was one who came. Who was? And he pleaded with the Father on your behalf and my behalf that we would be saved. And somewhere along the line, from Abraham until now, people have understood they've been blessed to be a blessing, to be a blessing, to be a blessing. And somebody along that lineage shared that message with me. And they shared it with you. And you received it. And you received Him. And so now it's our job, it's our responsibility to continue to share that message. To share that grace. To share our Jesus with everyone. Not just the people we think would make good little Christians, but with everyone. Churches often write mission statements, and we've talked about it in staff meetings before, about having a mission statement. Church of the Nazarene as a denomination has a, a mission statement. And it's awesome. I'm not bashing mission statements, but I've just never really felt led, even though I've been told to, to write one uh, before. But, you know, I read last week where one South African preacher shared what the mission statement of his church was, and it was simply this, and I thought, this is it. This is it in a nutshell. People without Jesus go to hell. People without Jesus go to hell. What 
more needs to be said. What else needs to be said from this platform? There are people that are going to go to hell without Jesus. We know Him. We've got Him. He saved us. They're worthy as well for us to be an extension of that blessing, to share with them the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ. And friends, that's why God has chose to bless you. That's why God has chose to bless this church. It's so that He might multiply those blessings so that we could be a blessing to others. And so my prayer for us as we close today, as we go out of this place, this is easy in here. I mean, everybody in here deserves to be able to be saved, right? But we're going to go out these doors and we're going to encounter some crazy people on the highway, some crazy people at the restaurant, crazy cat lady when we get home. You know, the person we have to sit beside at work that we cannot hardly stand to be around because they won't ever shut their mouth and they can't ever find anything good to say about anybody. You're going to go to school tomorrow and you're still that cranky teacher's still going to be cranky. But maybe we look at every one of them as an opportunity to be a blessing. An opportunity, even though we may not have picked them, God picked them because He brought you into their path so that maybe you would be a blessing to them and show them Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. Abraham gives a great example of pleading with God on behalf of those who we think don't deserve it. And so that's my prayer for our church today, that we would have this same awesome attitude that Abraham had because we're just an extension of the promise that he was promised as well. So this morning, as we close, I want to invite you to come. Maybe God's laid someone on your heart this morning. I believe as I talked about maybe people in the classroom or people that we work with or maybe a neighbor, maybe God placed that person on your heart this morning. And you just want to come and pray and say, God, I'm available. However you want to use me in this person's situation and in their life, I'm available. I invite you to come this morning. I think it would be an awesome uh, show of obedience to God this morning, just acknowledging, God, I, I realize you just put that person on my heart, so I'm bringing them to you right now to be available to be used by them. If you'd like to come this morning, I, I invite you to. Maybe there's something going on in, in your family or your situation. And you just want to bring that to God and say, God, I, I don't know, I don't see this as a blessing, but we talked about that even in our pain we can find the blessings of God. And maybe this morning you just want to come and bring it to God. Say, God, I need your help. I need your Holy Spirit to help me through whatever it is that we're going through right now. I invite you to come. Maybe there are others this morning that would like to come pray. We have a prayer chest up here. A lot of guests ask about it. Um, it's just filled with names of people that we put in there that we're praying would come to know Christ. And you know, it's easy to write a name on a piece of paper and put it in the chest. It takes a little more faith, a little more obedience to pray for that person continually and say, God, how would you use me so that they might come to know you? So if you'd like to come this morning as we pray together, we're going to close together with a word of prayer. I ask you to come at this time.
God, we've been reminded uh, in your word today and through this story again, it is a constant reminder to us of how much you love us and how much you care for us and how much you want us to be a part of your family, to inherit your kingdom, to be the children of God. The great links that you have gone to in order that we might know about you and be in a situation and in a place where we could hear about the good news of Jesus. And we take it for granted this morning that we can be here, but there there are literally people around this world who have never heard of you. And God, there are people in their villages and in their towns and in their countries that are hiding and trying to figure out how to get this message to them. And we're so blessed to be able to live here in this great country that we live in and have and enjoy the freedoms that we have. God, I pray for those who are hiding today, who are trying to figure out how to how do I get this message out and keep my family safe. They're going to great risk. They're taking great risks so that other people would know you. And, and God, so I pray that you would help them, help us to help them, whether it be financially or however, we could be a blessing and be a help to those around the country that are sharing the good news of Christ. We want to be available to be able to do that. But God, you're, you're, speaking, to our, you're speaking to us specifically today Not just personally, but you're speaking into our families and you're speaking into our church today. And the sentence that just keeps ringing in my ears, and I hope that we'll never stop hearing it as the body of Christ and as the church. People without Jesus go to hell. And so I pray that we would see every single person not as, you know, what nationality they may may be or what their skin color may be or their social class may be, how they vote. I I pray that we would quit looking at people like that and start looking at people as souls that are going to spend an eternity somewhere. And God, I pray that you would help us to see that in others. That we'd be careful not to pick and choose and to be judge and jury of all the people we come in contact with to think some may deserve it and some may not because honestly none of us deserve it but we thank you for extending it to us and giving us the opportunity to receive you now I pray that as we go out from this place that we would be uh, able to extend it to other people that we would be a blessing to other people by sharing with them mercy, grace, forgiveness, the salvation of Jesus Christ, and the good news of the promises that you've made for us as followers of Christ. God, I pray for these that have come this morning for various reasons, maybe a burden they're carrying, maybe a situation they're going through. God, I just pray that you would uh, minister to them in a very special way before we go this morning. 
they would have a sense of the increased presence and power of the Holy Spirit at work in their life. And we can't do any of these things on our own, but you, you provided us a helper. And you said, I know that in your own strength, in your own power, you can't get through this or you can't do this, but I've given you a helper that can. And so I pray that they would have an overwhelming sense in their life of this great help that is available to them and they would find rest and find hope in that today. And God, I continue to pray for the other churches in our community. We, we, we're so blessed. This is an incredible and unique town and community that we live in. And there are a lot of awesome churches with a lot of awesome Christians. But God, I pray that we would get uncomfortable with being in our buildings and that we would get out into the streets and go to the places where people don't know you. And they aren't coming to our doors, but God, show us how to go to their doors. Show us how to minister to the needs of this community in a specific way. To be a blessing to other people. It's, it's why we're here. It's what we do. So show us, help us, guide us, lead us in that. And be with those other churches. Continue to bless them. Continue to use them because it's not about the name over the door. It's about the name above all names, Jesus. That we would come together and build your kingdom. Not our kingdom, not our churches, but your church. Your bride, the body of Christ. So God, I pray today as we leave this place that you would find us faithful. That today you would find us obedient. You would find us willing, and I pray that you would help us to have eyes that see all the people that we come in contact with when we leave here the way that you see them. Not in the categories that we put them in, but the categories that you put them in. So God, again, we love you today, and we thank you for your awesome love for us and all that you've done for us, and I pray that we would take the blessings that you've extended us and be a blessing to others. And we'll be careful to give you the glory and the praise that you so rightly deserve as we serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I love you all very much. I hope you have a wonderful week. And if you don't have lunch plans, I know they have a lot of...